the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for the Your Personal Bank Show with Parents Toe. In an era of chaos, confusion, and craziness, Parents is a voice for common sense. As a financial literacy educator, speaker, and entrepreneur, Parents cuts through the noise to help us understand how current events affect our money, economy, and our freedom. Now, here's Farron Stoke. Welcome to the Your Personal Bank Show. This is Ference, And the first thing I want to do is just wish everybody a very happy Thanksgiving. You know, Thanksgiving is a uniquely American holiday. And most people have grown up th- learning that it was, you know, the, the colonists and, uh, the, you know, shared their the first Thanksgiving with, uh, with the Indians and all that type of thing. The English colonists in Massachusetts, Plymouth Rock, 1621. There's some th- there's some history that shares that it was celebrated even before that, but some of the things that a lot of people do not realize about Thanksgiving is again it's a uniquely American holiday. In fact, the U.S. Continental Congress proclaimed a national Thanksgiving upon the enactment of the Constitution. For example, a part of the American history heritage, if you will, it was celebrated. People in the U.S. pretty much every year, sort of an unofficial holiday until later on. Really, it was Lincoln who proclaimed it as a national holiday. It was one of the first ones. And again, it was done in an effort to, um, he wanted to celebrate to promote unity among Americans. Because at that time, even though the country was at war, interestingly enough, culturally and religiously speaking, faith-wise, most Americans were in agreement on much of that. So again, he was trying to bring the country, to, it was an effort of bringing the country together. It's a religious observance, really. It's thanking God for blessings have been bestowed upon you and, and each of us individually and as a country. I hope it's something we never lose because Thanksgiving is exactly that. It's being thankful and it's being thankful to God for the blessings that have been, that we've enjoyed. Those are the things that are in short supply today. Being thankful, being, having appreciation, those kinds of things really, and being thankful is one of the things I believe is one of the big keys of success and being happy. Uh, there's so many studies that go around. I don't want to go into a lot of detail about it, but how we're, you know, the young generation is, you know, one of the most depressed in history and stuff like that. I believe there's a far too much entitlement out there, that, that entitlement t- mentality and just being appreciative and thankful would it's hard to be and feel entitled when you feel thankful and i think thanksgiving is a good reminder of that and maybe that's a story or something you can share with somebody when you uh gather together hopefully with your loved ones friends family whatever on this uh thanksgiving day this wonderful tradition that we have again that's uniquely uh, uniquely american you know what i really can't wait until I get the opportunity to start sharing some good news. This is a financially focused show, and, you know, we, we talk about money and the economy and a lot of those types of things, of course, current events. Generally speaking, I'm an optimistic type of person, but unfortunately there's been very little news uh, that I've been able to share in the last year or two, frankly, that has been positive. And unfortunately I've got more to share that's not positive. Again, I'm still bullish long-term on America. I never would bet against America because I know the American people. I have one of the rather unique benefits of talking to average Americans every day of the week from coast to coast. I have clients literally the show airs coast to coast. I'm blessed that way. I have clients coast to coast from every walk of life, everything you can imagine, age, all of that. And the American people in general, your typical average American person, is, is an amazing person. There's fil- this country's filled with a lot of great people who I can tell you firsthand are very saddened and very frustrated by the way the direction our country has been headed in the last few years. I feel frustrated. It's disheartening sometimes to have to share so much bad news on a constant basis when, again, I'm, I'm an optimist at heart. 
But I've got to say I'm very, very pessimistic about our economy and such over the short term. And I'm talking about the next one, two, three years, let's say. But I'm very optimistic about the longer term. The things I need to discuss today are has to do with inflation. And I, and I bring this up because recently the Biden administration was taking credit for inflation being reducing by 65%. Now, folks, that's a fallacy. And if anyone believes that, I'd love to discuss with them why they think that's the case. Again, the Biden administration is playing with the numbers. The government has been playing with the inflation numbers for quite some time. We've discussed this on the show a number of times of how they manipulate the numbers to even come up with the numbers that they, the CPI and such like that. The typical American is much higher. The inflation numbers are much higher because, again, they play with and manipulate the numbers by changing what they measure, making it more, seem more favorable, lots of little games like that. Well, this, this whole thing with reducing inflation by 65% is another sleight of hand playing with the numbers and making it look better than it really is. It's 65% reduction of increase. Well, here's what the problem is. That's the actual truth. Granted, it's not increasing as quickly as it was, say, a year ago when we hit 9% inflation year over year, for example, but it's still increasing. As long as inflation is increasing at significant rates, that hurts Americans. Prices of goods have not come down. In fact, they're still going up. We have not been under 4% annual inflation rates, year year over year annual inflation, since May of 2021. Folks, that's about two, almost two and a half years now. We've been at a 4% inflation rate, annual inflation rate, or higher, which, by the way, that's double what the Federal Reserve target rate is for what they call a stable economy. Their target is about 2% inflation. I've discussed that point in previous shows, why 2% the Federal Reserve considers a good thing. I, I, I have an argument with that, but let's, that's, another, that's for another day. And by the way, if you want to check that out, you can always go to my website or app, Your Personal Bank. Click on the uh, previously recorded shows and listen to any show that I discussed with all the topics. Each of the show has a topic, so you can go to it. And anything that interests you, you can see the things I was discussing. But my point is, it's been May of 2021 since we've been less than double the rate the Federal Reserve says is, is what their target is. The Biden administration's claim of inflation reducing 65% just means the rate of increasing is increasing slower. The problem is inflation is still increasing. Prices are still increasing. And let me give you an idea. If we go to the Consumer Price Index, the CPI, these are the government numbers. As I stated earlier, the government numbers are, do not reflect the typical Americans' numbers, what they're actually dealing with, with groceries, you know, housing and, and fuel and such. But let's just stick with the CPI numbers for a minute. In 2021, the inf- average inflation for the year was 4.7%. In 2022, is 8%. In 2023, we are looking at approximately, we've got another month to go, but approximately another 4% increase in inflation. Well, what that means, folks, is in the last three years, the total inflation increase is over 16%. Let's say three years ago, an item cost $100 to purchase. Well, today, that same item now is $116. Now, again, when I say that the government numbers are not accurate. They're, they're manipulated. Think about it. You take the price of food and things like that. We saw 15% more increases in the prices of food in one year alone, not three years. In fact, if you go back three years and you say price of bacon, for example, I remember the Costco bacon prices nearly doubling. They've come back a little bit, but they're still 50% higher today than they were three years ago. And that's just one example. And I, I know, folks, you, you could all come up with Many, many different examples. But the point is, even taking the government's numbers, here's the problem. Has your income increased 16% in the last three years? And the answer, if the answer is no, then folks, you're poorer today. You have less buying power today than you had three years ago. Even if you had a raise in income, you're still falling behind. And an article by Financial Times came out recently stating, 14% of Americans are better off financially because of inflation. In other words, 86% are falling behind. So if you are falling behind, don't feel bad. You're in the far mass majority, but that doesn't make it any better. And this is why because of inflation, and I'm going to discuss some more of this in the next segment, so I'm going to really encourage you to stay tuned. I'm going to be talking about how interest rates are likely going to be higher for longer. This is 
going to have a significant financial impact on people's buying power and your lifestyle and all those types of things and what you invest in, I think for far longer than most people realize. And I'll share with you why, the reasons why. So again, I'll encourage you to stay tuned. But this is why I'm so adamant about when you're dealing with inflation, when you're dealing with higher interest rates, and you are going to invest your money. I get asked this question all the time. Where should I put my money? Well, you need to focus on assets that are interest rate sensitive. In other words, we're dealing with higher interest rates, higher inflation. You need something that's going to keep up with that. Stock market and real estate markets, for example, they struggle. They tend to struggle in a higher interest rate environment. They don't do so well. They, they tend to do much better in a lower interest rate environment, Inter, you know, easy monetary policy. We saw that in the, the past decade or so where the Federal Reserve kept interest rates artificially low. Actually, the interest rates for the past decade, it was about 12-year period from about 08 until a year or so ago. It was the lowest interest rate environment in the history of the com- country for the longest period of time in the history of the country. These l- extremely low interest rates were the lowest that we've ever seen. And the question I ask people all the time is, do you think you're going to see a 30-year fixed mortgage rate of 3% or less again in your lifetime? The odds are highly unlikely. Again, that was a, not a once-in-a-generational event. That was a once-in-a-200-year event that we saw with low, the low interest rates that we had for so long. And there's a lot of economic factors, bonds, treasury bonds, and the federal debt, for example, being a big part of that, of why it's un- strongly, highly unlikely we're going to see low interest rates anytime in the foreseeable future. What do you do? Again, interest rate-sensitive assets. What are those? Bank monies, anything like interest uh, d- bonds, of course, dividends that are interest rate-sensitive, like the, your personal bank dividends. Again, I'll give you a quick example. We all know a year or so ago, you couldn't get 1% return. You couldn't get a 1% at a bank, on a savings account or anything, even a longer-term CD. Today, you can get four or more. Just in a year or so difference, just shows you the significant shift our economy has taken. Contact me for more information. I'll show you how to thrive in this higher interest rate environment. Also, stay tuned to the next segment because you're not going to want to miss it. Stay tuned for more common sense from Ferens. For more information, contact Ferens at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ferenc Toth. Want more information? Contact Ferenc at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Now back to the show with Ferenc Toth. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show. This is Ferenc, and in the last segment, I was discussing how the inflation has increased over 16%, according to the CPI, over the past three years. Now, again, the CPI numbers are in, in manipulated to make that look better. The government, government plays games with that. But my point is we're dealing with an inflation situation that's still, still far not settled. It's still rising. It's still increasing at double the rate of what the Federal Reserve wants to say. And I don't think it's over yet. And there's some, other, some reasons behind this, particularly interest rates. Why are interest rates likely going to stay high for long, higher for longer. And folks, this isn't just me stating that. We're hearing that from the Federal Reserve themselves. They've even, Jerome Powell has stated multiple times that there's no plans on the table to reduce interest rates anytime before the end of 2024. That's what they're stating. Billionaires, economists, you know, they're, I'm seeing one after another after another talking about we're likely facing higher interest rates for longer, far longer, by the way, than most people at this point realize. Now, why is that the case? Business Insider article uh, just came out recently stating that it was easier to sell Moroccan and Vietnam bonds than U.S. bonds due to all the financing. Now, why is that the case? 30-year bonds, by the way, are selling at a huge discount. We're seeing some of them as much as 50% of their value. Because the investors, bond investors, are concerned interest rates are going to stay higher or go higher in the future. And again, why? It has to do with all the debt. It's a combination of the massive federal debt and the interest rates increasing on the debt. You see, the government has to pay interest on the debt. 
In other words, when the God, a lot of people don't realize this, and this is a, I found this very fascinating as I've been discussing this with a lot of clients and potential clients. A lot of folks have even said, well, can't the government just print money? Yes and no. I mean, they can't print it willy-nilly. In other words, when the government prints dollars that they don't have, obviously they do receive re- revenues, tax revenues. I've shared this repeatedly on this show, but uh, the last fiscal year in 2022, the federal government received about $4.4 trillion of revenue. So the government does receive monies from taxpayers. Unfortunately, they spent like uh, 6.7 or whatever it was, or 6.1, I'm sorry, according to the official numbers, which means they spent $1.7 trillion more than they received. So they printed $1.7 trillion last the, in the last fiscal year, and they sold bonds. So when the federal government uh, prints a dollar, they got to sell a bond to back that dollar because the laws require them to have the Federal Reserve have assets for our, a, do, you know, a dollar of assets for every dollar that's in circulation. And they primarily do that by selling bonds. Well, what is a bond? Well, bond a bond is a debt instrument. In other words, the federal government issues a bond or sells a bond to a bond buyer. The buyer then gets interest. In other words, the government uh, promises that they're going to pay a certain rate of interest, and it's fixed, by the way. That rate is fixed based on the current interest rate environment. And they sell different terms, like you've heard two-year bonds, 10-year bonds, 30-year bonds. They sell shorter, a number of different term of bonds, right? And the longer-term bonds typically pay higher interest than the shorter term. Just like if you uh, buy a CD, typically you get paid higher interest on a longer-term CD than a shorter-term CD because you're tying your money up for longer. You're, it's more risk. You're committing to a longer time frame. It's the same principle with a bond buyer. If they buy a longer-term bond, they usually get a higher interest rate than if they buy a shorter-term bond. Again, they're locking their money up for a longer period of time. That usually makes sense to most people. Here's the problem. The government doesn't pay off their bond, their debt. They just reissue new bonds. So particularly on the shorter-term bonds, a lot of those they were selling them and they were paying a very low interest rate up until this past year because interest rates were so low. Obviously, the interest rate environment has changed dramatically, and so they roll the bonds over, so to speak. They reissue new bonds and sell them on the bond market, and, of course, they have to pay the current interest rates, which, of course, is much higher than it was a year or two ago. Therefore, the amount of interest that the government is having to pay is increasing and it's increasing dramatically. I saw something I think I shared last week where the amount of interest has increased something like uh, 60 70% over the last, or no, I'm sorry, doubled. The amount of interest the federal government is paying is doubled in the last 19 months. Folks, that is unsustainable. That rate of increase, and it's going to continue, by the way, because as more and more of these shorter-term bonds that the government sold a year or two or even three or four or five years ago even, whatever, now, as these bonds come to maturity, they've got to reissue new bonds to support the money that's in currency, money that they printed and spending. They've got to pay a more higher, much higher interest rate than they were a year, two, three, five years ago. So as they roll these new bonds over, sell these new bonds, they're going to pay, they have to pay higher interest. And again, the rate of interest, the amount of interest that the federal government has had to pay has doubled in the last 19 months. The, the dirty little secret is if interest rates just say, stay the same, we're probably looking at approximately doubling again in the next couple of years. You can't double and double and double. That's compound interest working the wrong way for you. And you can see very quickly where that, that that's called a death, death spiral or death spiral. It's a financial death spiral. It's unsustainable. It will kill, it will, it'll kill the the ability of the government to pay the interest, okay? Now, I'm going to get into some solutions in a minute, but i got to finish this thought. So because this massive debt and higher interest rates are creating record level of interest, here's the problem that affects you and I, okay? That's the government's problem. Well, we are, the people are the government, unfortunately. Guess who gets on, you know, on the, gets, pays the price for all this? Higher interest rates. So if the government's out there paying more interest, right? They're offering a higher interest rate because they have to. Well, that forces the interest rates of all other types of borrowing and interest rates out there. 
why would you, you know, if you can get this rate from the government, why would you put your money elsewhere at a lower rate? Why would you offer that type of financing? So it'll affect all, you know, really all financing, all borrowing, all interest rates across the board. This, this increase in cost of borrowing for everyone, this increases the cost of anything that you finance. Again, the federal government is the largest debtor in the history of the world ever. 800-pound gorilla, this massive Goliath out there pay, paying these higher interest rates. Again, it pushes all interest rates up across the board. If rates continue to be elevated, interest rates that is, prices of items typically purchased will likely reduce. That's why you're seeing a lot of people predicting lower prices for vehicles. And we're already seeing some of that, uh, particularly things that are more like RVs and things. We've seen you know those kinds of things already come down in price quite a bit because those are luxury items or they're not necessary for a lot of people. But as this continues, you could see this start to unravel even into places like the real estate market. Now, again, we've talked about this before. The real estate market is suffering from a lack of inventory, but a lot of that has to do because people are locked into these longer-term low-interest rate mortgages that they got, and they don't want to move. And they're probably not going to move unless something else happens, something forces them to move. And, well, of course, that's loss of income, right? So if the economy does get worse and we start seeing job losses, then you could start seeing inventory pick up with high interest rates. The prices of properties could very likely reduce. Some of the positive of this, this is one of the things I share with all the time and tend to understand is whenever there's a winner, there's also a winner is a loser, I should say, there's a winner. As I stated earlier, low interest rates, easy monetary policy, generally speaking, is very good for the stock market and real estate markets in particular. Uh, cryptocurrencies, we saw that too, where we saw those types of asset values explode because the money was cheap. It was inexpensive for a business, for example, to borrow money to expand or grow or sell more products or whatever it may be. More money available in general or cheap cost of borrowing to buy a property, for example, it made it easier for people to buy properties. It was cheaper to do so. So the prices, the values went up. That's pretty predictable, folks. Easy monetary policy, low interest rates will do that. Well, what suffered during those time frames? Anything interest rate related? Again, I go back to a common example most people are familiar with, and that's banks. Bank money, you know, savings, checking accounts, CDs, those types of accounts are very susceptible to interest rates. You couldn't get 1% in a bank, even in a longer-term CD, for a long time, remember? It wasn't that long ago. Banks weren't paying any, any interest. Well, guess what? That's, if you go into a bank today, that's dramatically changed. Your local bank's probably offering 4% today, where a year, year and a half ago, you couldn't get 1%. I mean, that's like quadruple increase, more than that, in just a year or so. It shows you the dramatic shift. Again, the Federal Reserve has raised interest rates at the fastest clip in their history, in their 100-year history. A lot of reasons behind it. They got behind the eight ball. We discussed that on this show also. Again, you can go to yourpersonalbank.com or the Your Personal Bank app. Listen to any of the previously recorded shows. You know, Each has its own title. You'll see where you can go back and see where I discuss those types of things. Inflation is the reason why the Fed's raised the interest rate so much. And like I stated in the last segment, the rate of increase of inflation has slowed, yes, but inflation is still increasing, and it's increasing at a rate about double where the Federal Reserve wants it to be. What does that tell you about where we're at, where we're headed, where are interest rates going to be? It's not off the table. The Federal Reserve has stated this repeatedly to even raise rates again before the end of this year. We'll see what happens, but a lot of people are out there being optimistic and such about interest rates. In fact, I had a real estate investor well, in fact, I'm running up on a hard break, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share this quick little story in the beginning of the next break because it was very eye-opening. This is a very successful real estate investor thinking about investing in a property and the reasons why it was probably not the best idea. I'll share that in the next segment. If you want to navigate this high interest rate environment and thrive, not just survive it, but actually thrive and do well, get into an interest rate sensitive asset. Your personal bank happens to be that. And one of the best because it also addresses the second risk out there that I, I there's two major risks I see right now, interest rate risk and tax risk. And again, I'll share in the next segment why I believe that is the other 
big risk that most people are not looking at that I believe is going to become a big factor in the very near future. And I'm talking the next few years or less. I'm going to encourage you to stay tuned, not miss it. Stay tuned for more Common Sense from Ferens. For more information, contact Ferens at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ferenc Toth. Want more information? Contact Ferenc at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Now back to the show with Ferenc Toth. Welcome back to Your Personal Bank Show. This is Ferenc, and uh, I am a little remiss. I had spoke to a potential new client. He had been listening to the show. And he's, he was intrigued and, and liked a lot of the ideas and things that I was sharing about the economics and interest rates and, envi- and inflation and all this. But he said, I really don't under, I really don't, he didn't listen to the whole show, obviously. He didn't catch all of it because I really didn't follow what your personal bank is and how it works. So I, I promised him I would share it more often in the show. I can just take a minute and give folks an idea. And then I'm going to get into why, what, what some of these things I shared, like with this real estate investor. Your personal bank is really quite simple. And once I shared it with him, he was very interested. It's a two-step process. We set up a high cash value insurance policy designed to maximize cash growth and minimize death benefit. Folks, that's the opposite of how most people use life insurance. This is how banks, wealthy individuals, institutional investors use this tool. Again, it guarantee, has guarantees, insured tax-free if it's set up correctly, which, of course, we do. When you say tax-free to a high net worth or high income earner, you've got their attention, okay? And I'm going to share with you in a little bit here even why that's probably going to be more important in the future going forward. But my point is we set up a policy designed to maximize growth, cash. Have your money grow safely, tax-free, and, again, and minimize the death benefit. Uh, Well, a great way to look at it is think of a teeter-totter. Put cash on one side, death benefit on the other. Again, the traditional use of life insurance is what's the least amount of money I can uh, pay to get the largest death benefit, right? That's how we most, most people do it. And that really is not life insurance. That is a death benefit protection tool. I have nothing against that. There's nothing wrong with it. Most people need some death benefit protection, particularly if you have family, business, those kinds of things. I have some of it myself. But is it an investment? No, it's a death benefit protection tool. And I know this is a pet peeve, and some agents hate when I share this, but some people try to sell this as investment tool, yet they have far too much death benefit associated. So it really takes away from the cash growth. So they're, they're purporting it to be one thing when it's not really, and it has to do with commissions and stuff, which I'm not going to get into today. If you want more information, I'm, I'm just going to suggest you contact me, yourpersonalbank.com. I'll be happy to share with you on that. The point is it's not structured properly, but if it, if it is structured properly, th- again, think of that teeter-totter, putting cash on one side, death benefit on the other. We flip that the opposite. In other words, we push the cash up and we push the death benefit down. Now, there's a, there's a tax rule called the MEC rule, the Modified Endowment Contract Rule, that allows us, gives us a wide range on how much cash versus death benefit we, we can put into these things. We can push that teeter-totter from 50 to 90% even difference. No, pushing the cash up and the death benefit down. Folks, so I'm not talking about a small change. I'm talking about a massive, significant change. Huge. And if you don't, I always say to people, if you don't have at least 50, 60% cash available day one, it is not structured properly or you have the wrong product, wrong company, wrong tool. Plain and simple. Contact me for more information if you want comparison. The second step is typically we set up a bank line of credit using the cash and the policy as collateral. These work much like HELOCs or home equity lines of credit. Many, most people have used one of those and understand. Take out a HELOC, the collateral for the loan is the equity in the property. Same principle here. The collateral for the loan is the cash in the policy. Now, there's some advantages to these types of, policy, uh, to these types of lines of credit. One you have, you know, it's no cost, no fee to set up or use, no points, nothing like that. You can access the funds on an income tax-free basis, just so you know. 
You've got liquidity. Again, I stated earlier of anywhere from 60 to 90%, depending on your age and how we structure it. The other thing is you have full control and flexibility on payments. One of the disadvantages of HELOCs is you have a monthly payment when you access the funds, right? With these, there's no requirement to make the monthly payment principal or interest. Now, I'm not saying that's the best way to go all the time, but I just want you to know that that's an option available. What does that do? It gives you control of your money. It allows you to pay back the funds if and when it makes sense for you. If you never pay them back, the death benefit pays the lender back, so they get paid. And that's why these are fully collateralized loans. The rates you borrow on these are the lowest rates you'll find anywhere, below prime, all of that kind of stuff. We have the cheapest money available on the block. We'll put it that way. That, and here's the last best part. When you access the funds, remember, most cases, you're growing, you're growing your money, insured, with guarantees, tax-free, and your compound dividends are typically higher than the cost, the interest that's charged to borrow. As long as the dividend is higher than the borrowing rate, you are keeping the difference. It's called positive cash flow or positive arbitrage. Again, real estate investors understand this because the entire real estate business is built on this principle, and that principle is this. Let's say you bought a long-term rental property, for example, and you took a mortgage. As long as your rental income was in excess of your mortgage cost and other costs of the property, you get to keep the difference, right? That's called positive cash flow. That's how people build wealth in real estate. It's been done forever. We're doing the same thing here. We're just using money. We're getting positive cash flow on money rather than on real estate. Again, when most people understand that's the, how this works, they are become very interested. You can gain control of your money. You can create a positive arbitrage on money that you spend. We all spend money, folks. And you can still earn some interest on money that you use for whether it's investing in other assets or living, you know, living expenses or buying, purchasing items. It doesn't matter. And why is that so important right now? This is kind of why I brought this up. I started off discussing how, according to the CPI, inflation has increased about 16% over the last three years. Only 14% of Americans are better off financially than they were three years ago. You need your money to go further. Again, if you haven't had a 16% increase in income, you're falling behind. That's the, the CPI numbers, which, again, are manipulated by the government, which means the numbers are actually worse than that for most people. You have to have your money go farther, and your personal bank is one of the tools you can use to help you make that money go farther. You can earn interest on money you spent, which means you're going to have more money available. That's why it's so important. The positives, as I stated earlier, are when there's winners, there's also, or when there's losers, there's also winners. We know in the last decade, the stock and real estate markets really thrived in that low interest rate environment, easy monetary, monetary policy. All that has changed. Interest rates are high, likely to stay higher for longer, as we discussed with the federal debt and the interest on the debt and the bonds and all that stuff. Interest rates are likely to stay higher. Well, guess what, folks? Interest rates are highly impact insurance company dividends. Why? Insurance companies tend to purchase bonds, heavily, heavily invested in bonds. Their dividends are highly interest rate sensitive. If we go back, historically speaking, if we go back to the last time we had a normal interest rate environment, late 90s, early 2000s, dividends were around 7 8%. That was the norm. We will quickly, I believe, be heading back towards that norm. We're at 6% dividends now, but we're going to be in an increasing dividend environment for the next, I don't know, three to five years at least. That's assuming the Federal Reserve does nothing to increase interest rates further. It's likely dividends will be increasing for longer than that because we're not going to go back to, like I stated earlier, are we going to go back to 3% 30-year fixed mortgages? No. Remember, insurance companies purchased bonds. They were buying bonds all that period where the interest rates, the bond rates were so incredibly low. The returns were incredibly low. The bonds they're buying today, the profits are significantly higher, double, triple, even more. As they continue to buy bonds, they're getting more interest 
on those new bonds. So, in fact, it's interesting. Remember, whenever there's a winner, there's also a loser. The government is the debtor. The government is the loser in this situation with the higher interest. They're going to be paying out more and more interest because they're buying these new, selling these new bonds and having to pay higher interest. Guess who some of these bond buyers are? Insurance companies. They're buying these bonds and getting paid much, getting paid much higher interest rates now. Their profits are much higher. Dividends are profits of the company. They pay a higher dividend as a result. And by the way, you want a mutual so you don't have, a, have to share the dividends with stockholders. Simple question I ask people all the time is, do you want part, have to share the dividend or you want all of it? I can share with, with you the best dividend payers without having to share a dividend with any stockholders. It's awesome. My point is, as the government continues to pay more and more interest because the debt is increasing and the interest on the debt is increasing because even if it, even, think about this a minute, even if the Fed stops raising rates, even if they lower them uh, some from where they are now, they're still going to be higher than where they were two years ago, where they were at record lows, the lowest we've ever seen, like I said, in the history of the country. So even if they go back down some, the dividends, the interest rates will still be higher than they were then, and the dividends will be higher than they were before. And right now they're at 6% at the lowest point we've seen in decades and decades. The government's loss can be your gain. Because do you think, that's why I'm saying, how long is this going to last? When is the government going to fix this? Do you think our politicians are actually going to fix this problem? Do you think they have the, the political will to do that, to finally actually address the debt problem and reduce spending? Until they fix it, this higher interest rate environment is going to be with us. Also, the higher dividends of the personal bank policies will be with us. But I'm going to share with you one more problem that's looming, which I believe is the next problem. And there's a solution to this spiraling debt. I'm going to share with you that also with that. Both of those likely scenarios that we're going to be dealing with going forward, having a personal bank policy is going to be key, folks. It's going to be one of the keys and likely become the best investment tool you own in the next few years as a result. All because our political system, our politicians, can't get their act together regarding a financial crisis that they have created and refuse to fix. They just don't have the political will to do it. Now, if you want for me to help you navigate this, contact me at yourpersonalbank.com. I'll be happy to do so and show you how to not just survive, like I said, actually thrive. Stay tuned in the next segment. I'm going to share with you the next big thing that's looming and how to avoid that problem, too. Stay tuned. Stay tuned for more common sense from Ferrans. For more information, contact Ferrans at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ferenc Toth. Want more information? Contact Ferenc at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Now back to the show with Ferenc Toth. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show. This is Ferenc. So I was discussing in the last segment a lot about interest rates, why interest rates are likely going to be higher for longer. Again, it has to do with the federal debt. They have to issue bonds, the federal government does, to cover this debt. Last year, they issued $1.7 trillion. This year, that is likely going to break $2 trillion, which means they're going to issue out $2 trillion of Treasury bonds, cover their spending, and they're going to have to offer far higher interest rates than they were a year or two ago, which means the amount of interest that the government's going to pay is going to be continue to increase. It's already over a trillion dollars a year just in interest. Again, that's bad for the federal government. But you know what that's good for? Bond buyers. And some of the biggest bond buyers out there, it was the central banks and all that, Federal Reserve, Bank of China, they were buying a lot of the bonds when they were before, when they were low. They're not buying them anymore. They were buying them. <laughs> this is what's kind of funny. The central banks were buying the bonds when they were not a good investment. They were not a good deal because they were paying such low rates of return. Now that they're paying a far higher rate of return, the central banks are not buying them. Actually, they're selling their bonds, yet the buyers of the bonds are getting a far higher interest rate. Now, not to not confuse the situation, let me share one other thought on this. 
I was ta- discussing this with a real estate investor just a few days ago, very successful one. And he was looking at investing in a large property, large multifamily project. And part of the proposal was, in essence, they were going to buy this, buy this building and then in a, in, they were expecting in the next couple of years then to refinance at lower interest rates. And one of the questions I asked him was were quite simple. I said, if interest rates don't lower, will, do the numbers still work? He said, no, not really. I said, I would be super cautious about that deal, that investment. Here's why. The only way that investment would works is if the numbers work today with the current interest rate environment. Because who's to say they're going to go down? From a perspective, a human perspective, it feels like interest rates are really high right now. It only feels that way, folks, is because they were so low for so long. Again, we had the longest period of the lowest interest rates in the history of the country. You know, human beings, we get used to It's amazing how adaptable we are. We we resist change, but then when we are forced or do make a change, we get into a comfort zone. It's really amazing. It's a, it's a basic human nature thing. Most people got comfortable or used to that really extremely low interest rate environment, and now they're screaming that, you know, an 8% mortgage, that's just crazy. Well, you know, I'm old enough to remember when 7 8% mortgages were the norm, and most of you listening are too. If you, re, if you remember, if you think about it, the late 90s and early 2000s, that was the norm. If you go back over the last 100 years, a 7 to 8% mortgage for somebody with good credit is the norm, folks. That's not high. That's actually in the roughly in the middle of the normal. So we're at historical norms now. It just feels high because, again, it was so low for so long, and then it changed so quickly. It, we, you know, we got our – it just got yanked back. You know what I mean? It was, it was the aggressiveness of the change. The Federal Reserve – made the change faster than any time in their history. That's why it feels like it's so much higher. I want you to understand something. Given the situation with the government debt and the amount of bonds that they're going to have to sell to support $2 trillion of spending per year is going to force interest rates to stay higher for far longer. In fact, we're probably going to stay here at the norms, maybe even go higher for a while for an extended period of time. How long? Well, I don't know. You tell me. How long will it take for the government to fix their debt problem? That's a, you know, most people don't have much faith in our politicians. They don't have the political will to do it. I don't think they will either. I believe the solution is going to come from the bond buyers themselves. In other words, we're already starting, we're already seeing it as we speak. The bond buyers are demanding a higher and higher interest rate because the interest the uh, the bond increases the risk. The risk of the bond increases as the amount of debt increases. In other words, the federal financial situation weakens. And I've got, this has happened recently, Moody's slash U.S. credit rating outlook to negative. It's significantly weakening. They're the last of the big three, Standard & Poor and uh, Finch, already reduced the credit rating of the federal debt. It used to be AAA, and it went, you know, they've reduced it a, a step. It's not that it's horrible or bad. It's still better than most in the world, but it's not AAA. It's not the best anymore. It's not the best rating anymore. And as, as they are sa- stating themselves, Moody stated, the Biden administration is, drunk, is like a drunk on a bender. The federal government will not stop spending until the country's flat broke and so deep in debt, the U.S. economy bottoms out and is forced to sober up. What's going to sober it up? The bond buyers. As they continue to spend more and more, the bond buyers are going to see increased risk. Moody's is stating it themselves. The bond buyers are going to demand higher returns. We're seeing that as we speak. The, uh, one of the recent, one of the recent uh, bond sales that we just had, the sale went ex- extraordinarily poorly. In other words, there's a sponsor, there's, there, there's a financial institution that, that's, that the Treasury uses to sell the bonds on the, on the, when they have a bond sale, a Treasury bond sale. And they're on the hook. The sale doesn't go well. They have to buy a certain percentage of it. Well, this last one that happened, they, the sponsor, the selling financial institution, was forced to buy 25% of, this, of the entire offering because there was no one to buy it. The central bank, the you know, Federal Reserve is not buying the bonds anymore. They're selling them. China, Bank of China is not buying the U.S. bonds anymore. They're, they've got their own financial problems. So the two biggest buyers on the market for the last decade plus or longer 
are not there anymore. The remaining buyers see that, know that, obviously, and they were unable to sell 100%. In fact, they only were able to sell 75% of the total bonds that were issued. Now, as the federal government spends more money, as I stated in the beginning, they have to sell, a, when they print a dollar to spend, they have to, they have to sell a bond to offset it. As they continue to spend more, as the debt continues to increase, as the deficit continues to increase, they got to sell more and more bonds. Well, there's not an unlimited market for bonds. This will, you know, base, this, folks, this is economics 101. When you have a lot of buyers, prices go up. When you have a lot of sellers, prices go down, right? Well, here you've got more and more bonds available for sale, and to entice people to buy it, the federal government has to offer a higher and higher interest rate. They're the number one debtor in the world, in the history of the world. Bond interest rates, as the government offers higher and higher interest rates, will force all interest rates up. Because why would you, if you're a buyer of debt, okay, you know, if you borrow money, somebody's got to provide the money, right? There's always a buyer and a seller. There's somebody on the other side of the transaction. That's what most people don't realize. Well, if you're, if you're a person that invests in debt, bonds, things like that, and you can get a better rate from the U.S. government, why would you... Why would you offer it to someone else for a mortgage or a car loan? You see what I'm saying, trying to say? You're not going to have 30-year bonds, say, selling at 5% and 30-year fixed mortgages selling for less than that. It ain't going to happen. It's just not going to happen. The investors won't put the money there. It will force the cost of borrowing up everywhere. This is a really big deal. That's why I say ignore this at your peril. Is that a better way to put it? The economy has changed. Investments have changed. What's going to succeed has changed. What's going to thrive has changed. What's going to struggle has changed. I'm not the only one saying that. Just about every economist you can think of is doing the same thing. The billionaires, everybody else, many of them are saying the S&P 500 and these kind of things are not going to, we're not going to see much in the way of gains until this gets addressed. Ah, I need to get to that. What's going to address this? I've stated this a few times. The bond buyers. In other words, they're going to, demand higher and higher interest rates from the federal government to buy these bonds. That's going to force interest rates to continue to climb until there's a point. I don't know when that's going to happen. No one does. But there's going to be a point where the bond buyers say, no more. We don't want to buy your bonds because the risk is too high because you have too much debt. It's unsustainable. You cannot pay the interest. Remember, the federal government right now brings in about $4.4 billion, I'm sorry, trillion dollars per year in tax revenues has about $1 trillion a year in interest it pays. So a little about 22% or so of its income that it receives is being paid out to interest. The, per, the amount of debt the federal government is paying out has doubled in the last 19 months. We go another 19 months, what if it doubles again? Which easily could happen, folks, because of the higher interest rates and the greater amount of debt. What happens when the debt, interest on the debt, is not a trillion a year, but it's now two trillion a year. We're not that far away. I'm talking a couple of years or so, two or three years from now. You're bringing in 4.4 trillion, and you got almost half of that going to interest. Where's the rest of the money going to come from? You're going to have to borrow it. You're going to have to issue bonds, and the bond buyers are going to have to buy it, pay, and they're going to offer higher and higher interest rates until the bond buyers. You have a debt to income ratio. Anyone who's ever bought a house knows this. If your housing expenses exceed 40% of your gross income, it's, you can't get a mortgage. They won't lend it to you because you're too much of a risk. What happens when the federal government's 40% of its revenues are, is interest on the debt? Are they going to buy the bonds anymore? Are the bond buyers going to do that? My guess is no. There's going to be a point. Again, don't know where that is. Is it in a couple of years? Is it in five years? Maybe 10? I think that's extremely optimistic. In the next number of few years, the bond buyers say no. What happens then? Austerity measures. The federal government at that point is forced to live within its means, which means it's only going to be able to spend what it receives. Right now, that's $4.4 trillion. It means it would have to cut back about a third of its spending as we speak right now. Everything across the board. That will create economic chaos for a while, but it'll be good long-term for the uh, financial stability of this country. But that will also put incredible pressure 
on our government to raise more revenues. How would the government raise revenues if they can't sell their bonds? Well, one way is to raise taxes, isn't it? Because if they can't borrow anymore, what do they have to do? Raise taxes. If you're in a taxable investment, your investment, the amount of money that's available to you could be dramatically reduced because of the higher tax brackets. But what if you're in a tax-free asset? Your personal bank is tax income tax-free if it's set up properly. And if the tax rates double, two times zero is still zero, isn't it? That's what I mean by that's the other big risk coming down the pike in the near future. In interest rate risk and tax risk. Your personal bank addresses both of those. Contact me if you want to learn how to thrive through this. As always, stay tuned next week for more great information. And as long as it's on our money, in God we trust. Listen Tuesdays at noon and Saturdays at 1 to the Your Personal Bank Show for more information. Contact Ferentz at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. This show is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information. The presenter and guests of this program do not engage in legal, accounting, or tax advice. Professional advice regarding your situation should be sought if required. Some products discussed may have limitations and not be available in all states. Excessive unpaid loans may affect performance. Distributions may become taxable if not managed properly. Replacements may not be suitable for everyone. There may be charges when replacing coverage. Dividend rates and bank line of credit rates may change. For current rates, contact Ferentz at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. Again, that's 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.